If you're new to us, let me introduce you to Pete. He's up there too. If you don't have one, you can get one after church. Um, but this is a is a um, a visual that we've created as a church to help us to evaluate if we are doing on purpose what God instructs. And the reason we're turning it out today, passing this out today, is because we've, we finished a six-part series talking about this, people who care, and then the five things we do on purpose. And I want to show you today how to use it. Um, and so how do, we, how do we use this? as a, I'm going to use our church corporately as an example. But when, I, when you put it on your refrigerator, I don't want it to see something you look at. I want it to be something you use, that something helps you in your spiritual journey. And so if you're visiting, this is Portview Pete. It's this, this visual that we use to help us evaluate if we are doing what God wants us to do, what he tells us in his word, if we're doing that on purpose as a church and as individuals. So I do hope you take this, you stick it on your refrigerator. We already have one on our refrigerator because we've had them for a while. And so, so we already have one on our refrigerator. And, um, you know, we go to the refrigerator a lot. And so uh, we see it a lot, Right. Put one on the inside of the refrigerator. You see that a lot more. That's a, that's a good idea. Well, what, what I do want to do with this today, as I said, is I want to show you today how Pete can be used as an evaluation tool. Um, and I know it might sound a little, uh, you know, like, oh, really? No, this is really because this is all about how we get better as followers of Christ. The worst thing you could have in your life is to have glaring areas in your life that you don't see. And a lot of times there's things about me and there's things in your life about you that you don't see. And this helps us to see ourselves more fully. At least it gives us the avenue, the tool, to look at it and then say, God, what do you think about this area of my life? So it's an evaluation tool, not to bring condemnation, um, but so we can easily evaluate our lives and as, as, as corporately as our church, and then we can improve as we surrender to God. And that's my, my hope for all of us, that as we improve, that will result in blessing and fulfillment. And that's what I want for all of us. That's what I want for our church corporately. A life of blessing and fulfillment. Isn't that what you want? If you didn't want that, you wouldn't be here today, right? I hope so. I, I, you know, I hope that's what you want. That's honestly my heart's cry is what I want for all of us. So when you look at Pete, the first thing, and I'm going to run you through this, the first thing, how you use it, the first thing that you look at is that he's standing upon something. He's standing upon a foundation. And we're still wrestling with maybe changing Pete, of putting a heart in the middle of him um, to show the, the, the starting point, because the heart of the matter is the foundation there. And the foundation is that as a church, we're what? We're people who what? People who care. That's our foundation of who we are as a church. To evaluate, we ask ourselves first, is our heart right? Before you ever look at what you do in your life, you always have to go to the heart and say, is my heart right? Because you can do all kinds of good religious stuff, have a wrong heart, and what's the Bible call you? A Pharisee. The Bible calls you a Pharisee. As Jesus said, um, the Pharisees were a real group of people, but Jesus used it as a hypocrite. And the hypocrite, he uses it you know, really individually, or simultaneously, or interchangeably, rather. As, as hypocrites, he says, hypocrites and Pharisees. He's trying to say a group of people who got all the religious stuff right, but their heart is wrong. So we always start with the heart first. And we evaluate our heart first before we evaluate what we do. And we ask, is my heart filled with the love of God and the love for others? Am I really a person who cares? A person who cares defines someone who loves God and loves others. We care about the things that God cares about. When my heart is right, I really do love and care for what God loves and cares for. And then I evaluate. After I look at my heart, I evaluate what do I do. Now, this, I, this process of evaluating the heart 
And then saying, what do I do is true for me as an individual, but it's also true for us corporately as a church. Are we doing what God, through His Word, instructs His church to do? One thing I like about Americans, and we're the best in the world at this, is we are total individuals. We've been, we've been trained to be that way. And some of that is good, but when it comes to interaction with the body of Christ and the Word of God, it's really bad a lot of times. And we always say, well, I think this. But there's a lot of things that don't really matter what you think about it. You can just look at God's Word and see what it says about it. And so we've got to change our mindset. We've got to be washed by the Word and say, well, some things the Bible just tells us what we should do, and so we, we do it. What's He instruct us as individuals and as a church to do? Not what do I like to do. Although you'll find if you do what God tells you to do, you'll like it, and you'll find fulfillment through it. You know? And so we look at the heart, we say, do I care for the things God cares for? And then I say, God, are you, am I doing the things that your word says that I should do? And, and we've boiled it down to kind of five main parts. And Pete's made up of those five parts. And so we've spent you know, six weeks going through those, those parts, each one of those. Well, as we as a staff for quite a while now, have been using this concept of Pete. We didn't describe him as Pete. We didn't have this exact illustration. But as we've been using this concept of Pete, these five purposes, and we use Pete to evaluate us as a church corporately, um, one of the things that we've been realizing is that our left arm is kind of weak. Go like this at your left arm. Okay, feel that muscle. Okay, now make that with your right arm. Feel that one. Well, some of you, this is hard to do. You just say, no one's going to make me do that. You know? So, this is what we found out. Our left arm is a little flabby. As we look at Pete, looking at Portview Church, we look at what Pete represents, we're understanding that our left arm, this idea of connecting authentically with others in the, in the kingdom, in the, in the church, is a bit flabby, that we need to get a little bit better at connecting authentically with other people at Portview. You know, a lot of us come to church, and maybe it's more of an event for you. That's what you think of, you go to church. Well, the Bible never says go to church. The Bible says you are the church. And so, but we've been trained. A lot of you, by the way, you were trained the way I was trained. Raised in a denominational church, and that's how I was raised from the time they baptized me as a little tiny baby. You know, when I was raised, you went to church. That was, It was an event. And some, that, that sometimes that, that wrong thinking doesn't really change all that easily. And so you come in here on a Sunday morning and you think of it more as an event. But when you come as an event, what happens often is that then many of us lack developing deep, personal, loving relationships with others within the church. Because if it's an event, you just come and you go. If it's the family, the body, you come and you become. Does that make sense? See the difference? And so sometimes, and I think we, we're pretty good at it because we're just part of our culture, we come to an event, but sometimes we lack deep, loving relationships with other people within the church family. Our left arm is kind of weak. That, that, that's a definition of a weak left arm, a bunch of people who come for an event but don't really come for the connection with one another. You know, our motto relating to connecting with each other, as I look at it, really isn't all that true. Our motto, we, we defined it a couple times recently, and we said it, we're going to say it forever, is be friends with many, have, be close with a few, and have issues with none. So be friends with many, be close with a few, have issues with none. That's our motto for our left arm on connecting authentically with other people in the church family. We have all kinds of friends. That's the coming together Sunday morning, having fun. But then we understand God's plan is for us to be close 
with a few, get intimate with a few, but then have issues with none. You know, often we have lots of friendly acquaintances, but maybe uh, they're not a whole lot that are real close with a few. That we, that we, that we, we pretend. We, you know, we say we're part of that body, but we're really not. Because we're really not close with anybody. If you disappeared, no one would know. And that's not God's plan. Now, here's the way the church world often works. People think if they disappear, the pastor ought to know. Well, it's impossible. You're a sea of faces out there this morning. You're, by the way, you're very good looking. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, say, pastor thinks you're good looking. And I'm not, I'm not lying. You know? And so, but they disappear because... They're not close with anybody, and no one even knows you're gone. And so that's not God's plan, that we should have friends with many, we should have be close with a few, and we should have issues with none. Um, close with a few, well, we're doing life together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Loving each other, helping each other, encouraging each other, challenging each other, so that we become everything that God has created us to become. You know that God has plans for you that are way bigger and, and, and more far-reaching than any plans you have for yourself? And He wants that to happen, and part of that happening comes through relationships with others as we walk through life together. So as we as have been evaluating um, Portview, our church, we've been evaluating our structures and our functions, and that's what we're supposed to do. That's what your, your staff and leaders do. We've been realizing that our left arm needs some development. We need to, to pump a few barbells with our, with our left arm as well as our right. And that's what I want to talk about today, the, the, the left arm. So there we go, the connect slide. Connecting authentically with people in God's family. We need to, we need to pump a little iron about, about that one. So here's something I've learned as we're going to talk about this today. Just about change in general or building up something in general, one part of your body. Um, I've learned over time that wishful thinking does not change anything. I've been telling you lately that Suzanne and I and Brett have been going to body pump at the Y. You know, body pump wipes you out. It's embarrassing when 40-year-old ladies use more weight on their barbells than you do. It's humiliating. But it drives you to do better. And uh, it's an hour straight, non-stop, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of repetitions from every part of your body. Works every muscle group in your body. With all these different weights, you're doing all this stuff, and you're just exhausted. But here's what I learned. Wishful thinking wasn't doing it for me anymore. I'm, I'm going to be 49 coming up here in a little while. You know, I'm getting close to 50. I'm going to be 49. And I'm learning that this thing keeps growing. I'm wishing it doesn't, but for some reason... Somebody's lying that manufactures pants now. This is a new pair of pants. I used to tease my dad because we always said he was wider than he was tall. You know, ladies, you, don't buy, you buy pants by like 10, 8, 12, 14s. Guys don't. We've got to be honest. And it says this many inches by that many inches. And my this many inches is now six inches bigger than my that many inches. That's not fair. And I also think I shrunk because I used to wear them longer, but my legs must be shorter now. But, um, but anyways, um, one thing I've learned over time is that wishful thinking doesn't change anything. I can wish to be thinner, but it doesn't work. I, could, I wish that Culver's Butterburgers didn't make me fat, but they do. And you know it's true. 
So wishful thinking doesn't change anything. You know what makes the, what makes change, what can, what can bring change to a part? It's, it's pumping iron. It's, it's being intentional. It's doing something. Understand this. Intentionality is the only thing that leads to change. Wishful thinking never does. We're masters at wishful thinking. We're masters at ought to. But not maybe masters at am doing it. You know? So we need to be intentional or change. We need to be intentional. If we evaluate according to Pete, we see our left arm's kind of weak. We've got to be intentional about how do we make something that's, that's different. You know, Suzanne and I and Brett have said we're going to body pump. And every day, every single time almost, one of us says, I don't want to go. And the other one goes, I don't want to go. And then we go, but we have to go. Because we need to. Because we need to be intentional about bringing change. You know, intentionality, not wishful thinking, brings change. Seeing the situation for what it is, not making excuses, and then intentionally doing something to bring improvement to that area in order to bring change. That's how change happens in our lives. So we want to be intentional as a church about developing our left arm. We want to be intentional about developing our level of genuine community within our church. Now, we, as a church, what we can do is we can bring structure and opportunity, but we can't make anybody do it. You understand that? Does that make sense? So we can make structure, and you, a lot of things you would think would happen on, uh, just naturally, they don't. You have to bring structure, and then you hope people just get on board with what you're doing. And so, you know, so if, for example, trying to bring structure that would work on our left arm, we've done something, we didn't announce it for this reason, but this is the whole reason we did it. The reason we remodeled the cafe. The reason the cafe looks, it's called the cafe now, and it looks kind of Starbucks-ish-y, and, uh, you know, and, and it has uh, nice colors and nicer furniture, and the tables are smaller, so you have to sit down with a few people and talk to them, and there are more separate little tables. The reason that we've done that was to create an environment that's, that's conducive to connecting together while you're at church. Because connecting together while you're at church is the starting point for developing authentic relationships. It's not the authentic relationship. It's only the starting point. It's opening the door for authentic relationships to be developed. Because before you can build an authentic relationship, you first need to get to know each other. You gotta get, some of you only know some, but you don't know one new person. And over half of us are new in the last couple of years. And so we need to get to know each other. We need to connect and figure out who we are and find out that we really are. Not only are we really good looking, we're also really nice as a church. You know. So we made this change intentionally you know, to, um, to say, let's develop a, a better environment for people to connect authentically, just to get to know each other a little bit, the starting point of that. And I believe it's been working. And the reason I believe it's been working is that when we redid it, we increased seating by 25%. And now we don't have enough chairs. Before we had enough chairs. We increased seating by 25%, and now all I hear is we don't have enough chairs. And so we're actually having to kick around whether or not we need to purchase more furniture for the cafe. Because it's kind of working. People are coming together, sitting down, simply because of a better atmosphere. And saying, let's, let's connect and get to know each other. More people are spending more time building the foundation, the very basic foundation of a relationship, which is, hi, my name is, you know, and I live here and do that. More people are spending more time starting relationships over a cup of coffee than were before. Now, that's a good starting point. You know, so we can do things like structural. You can say, let's create a better cafe. When people say, okay, I like the cafe, I'll come together, spend some more time together. That's a good starting point. But now what we need to do is we need to build upon what we have and intentionally move forward toward developing greater relationships 
with a few other people in the church family. Now, I wish, remember we talk about wishful thinking, I wish this would happen naturally. But this is what I know. It doesn't, and I don't know why. I guess we're just people, we're busy, we, we uh, tend towards just being self-centered. It's just part of being human. And so I can wish that people would develop greater relationships with you others, but I know it doesn't happen automatically. So we, as a church, need to implement a structure where people can more easily connect with others in order to get close with a few and then they can do life together, and we can then have a stronger left arm. That's what we're doing. This is the pumping iron part, the intentionality part of building structure so that it can be easier to accomplish what the left arm is supposed to accomplish. That's why we're going to be launching our Connect Group ministry at the end of this month. We want to intentionally work towards what God desires His church to do. We want to work toward God says to connect authentically. We want to work at it. We want to build a structure so it can work. So we're creating a structure that will give all of us the opportunity to intentionally develop authentic relationships with others at Portview. And these connect groups will be groups of five to ten people, maybe a little bigger, who will meet together regularly for friendship relationships primarily, but also prayer and learning from God's Word, meeting in homes all over our community. You know, at first there might only be a few, but eventually there will be dozens and dozens and dozens of these. And I believe in time this will help us to build great relationships with a few other people within the church. So that's what we're doing. We're, building, we're, we're intentionally trying to do something to develop the left arm. Well, I want you to understand something about this, about, about starting our connect groups. This isn't just some new program. It's not just some ministry we are adding to our structure as a church that we need to break into small groups. And if it would happen naturally, we wouldn't have to structure it, but it doesn't. So we, need, but we, need to, so we understand we need to break into small groups because it is essential for any church to have good relationships in order to accomplish God's purpose of having authentic community. And so that's why we're going to be starting this ministry at this time. You see, you need to understand something about who we are really in Christ. God has designed us to live and to grow and develop in community. As humans, we have a need to belong. That's why people are born into families. That you're born in a family and you stay in a family. You know what? If you're a rabbit and you're born out in the woods, you're born into a family but you don't stay in a family. Eventually, mom drives you away and you've got to go to your own little spot and live on your own. But people are different. We're born into families, we're supposed to stay in families. We're the only ones who really do that in, in, God's, you know, in God's design. So God's design is to live in community, but also God's design to expand His kingdom is through the local church. The local church is His instrument for expanding the kingdom. And what's the local church all about? Is it about just coming for a show? No. It's about belonging. It's about becoming. It's about interactions. It's all about relationships. As humans, we have a need to belong. And I want you to hear me today. Whether you know it or not, there are some things that we all need for successful Christian living that only come through close-knit, authentic community. I honestly believe that. There are some things you will never get that God wants to give you. There are some areas of development you will never experience unless you have a close-knit, authentic community within the kingdom of God. 
You're friends with money, but you're close with a few. Unless you're close with a few, you will never experience all that God has for you in His kingdom. And I want to explain three things that will happen only through small groups. I'm using small groups simultaneously with saying a close-knit, authentic community. So, these, these things that we all need. Three things that small groups offer that you don't get any other way. Number one is this. We all need a place where we can be accepted and encouraged. We all need a place where we can be accepted and encouraged. Now, I don't think it takes a whole lot of convincing to tell you that life tends to drag you down, so you need a place that can lift you up. Now, that sounds simple. It sounds easy, right? You go, I go to church on Sunday morning to be lifted up. And I hope you do. A place to be uplifted. But is it so simple? Does it really happen the way God wants it to happen just when we're just one of a whole mass and we don't have any real authentic community? I don't think so. See, um, because here's the reality. To really be lifted up, hear what I'm saying today, to really be uplifted, the ones lifting you up really need to know you. Right? They really have to understand who you really are. They really need to understand your struggles, your limitations, and your strengths. For somebody to really be able to encourage you and lift you up, they really need to know who you are and what you're going through and the path you've walked. Otherwise, they can't understand you. But here's a fact. And for some of you, you're going to say, yeah, this is really true. And it's, this is just a fact of life. Most people that you know will never know the real you. Most people that you know will never know the real you. You come in, you put a little Christian mask on, you come to church on Sunday and you go to an event. People don't know the real you. The reason they won't know the real you is because they will never be close enough to you for you to feel safe enough to reveal the real you. You know, that you that exists on the inside, that you that exists and it has struggles and it has questions, it's not the plastic mask, the plastic exterior, it's the real you that goes on and that you wish somebody knew, but no one knows because you don't trust anybody enough to reveal it because you're not close enough with anybody. Therefore, those other people, they can never really accept you. Because how can you accept somebody you don't really know? You can just accept a false form of somebody. But they can never really accept you. They can never really then encourage you. Because in many ways, you are a stranger. Sure, you shake each other's hand, maybe on Sunday morning or when you pass in the neighborhood. Maybe you know each other's kids' names. Maybe even go to a movie together once in a while. But it's not much deeper than that. That's where small groups come in. We create safe environments by putting in guidelines and parameters and structure. We create safe environments with a few other people committing to get to know each other. We create environments where you can let your guard down. And a lot of you walk like this through life. You can actually feel free to let your guard down. Um... And you can be honest and you can be real with a few other people that have a commitment with you to respect each other and to be co- have, and, and keep confidences. You respect the confidentiality of the group where but somebody maybe feels safe to share something, you don't go blab it because that's just, that's just a small group thing. That's just for us, us who are close together. They get to know the real you. They get to understand your story. If they don't know your story, they don't know the real you because your story explains why you are the way you are. Your story explains why you may act or react in a certain way, and they accept you where you're at in your journey today. 
They know you're not perfect, and you know they're not perfect. But you accept each other where you're at today, and, and you know, sure, you all have a lot of growing and, and developing to do, but you can appreciate where the person is because you know where they've come from. And the cool thing is, you've walked through part of it together. And so you really get to know each other. Creating these relationships takes intentionality. They don't happen on accident. They take time. They take effort. But I want to tell you they are so worth it because you will find a place where you don't need to pretend, you don't need to wear a fake mask, that you can just be you. And we all need that place in this world. We need a place to just be us. That's the first thing that small groups offer that aren't offered any other way. Now, people can say, well, I have small groups. This is not part of the structure. I understand that. That's great. You don't need part of the structure. But we all, need to have, we all need to have these close relationships. I would just say this. Unless it's done on purpose, it generally won't be done. And so this is how we do it on purpose. So that's why I'm encouraging us to, to get involved. So that's the first thing. But in addition to this first thing, there's a second thing and a third thing. So number two, in addition to creating a place of acceptance and encouragement, we need something else. We also all need a place where we can be challenged. We all need a place where we can be challenged. And that's the second very important reason why we need connect groups. You may be thinking this. Some of you guys out there are thinking this. You know, I don't need this touchy-feely acceptance and encouragement bunk. Don't admit it because I know you're thinking it. Well, I tell you, I disagree with you. Um, but, you're welcome to your opinion. But having a place to be challenged is necessary for each of us. And I'll prove it. We all need a place where we can be challenged spiritually. You see, understand something today. Sometimes just hear me today. This is, this is fact. It's biblical fact. If you have committed to being a follower of Christ, then you have committed yourself to growing spiritually. If you've made that commitment, you say, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, you've, you've, you've committed yourself then to discipleship. Discipleship is becoming more like the one you're following. The one you're following is Jesus, who's spiritually the top. And so if you have committed yourself to, to following Christ, then you have committed yourself to growing spiritually. You see, God's plan is for each of us to become more like Jesus in character all the time. Right? We call it sanctification. Becoming more like Jesus. Becoming sanctified. The process of becoming more like Christ. So if you're a Christ follower, you have committed yourself to becoming more like Jesus, even if you don't know it or you don't want to admit it. That's just the way it is. Well, here's the reality. This is, this is the truth. None of us does this as well alone as we do it within authentic community. None of us becomes developed but like the character of Christ as good on our own as we do when we live within authentic community. You see, one of the components necessary for genuine community is for the relationships to be strong and loving enough to allow others to challenge us to advance in our spiritual walks and to challenge us when we begin to drift spiritually. That's one of the things that we can do when we trust. Remember the first thing is we learn to we have this place where we can be we can let our guard down. When we get to a place where we let our guard down we can enter a relationship that we then give permission to other people to say to them, I give you permission now that if you see something in my life that I'm drifting, you'll challenge me on it. 
You see, I found that it's natural for all of us to drift spiritually as we follow Jesus. You know, we are masters as humans. We are masters at self-delusion. And we are masters at excuse-making. And often we drift away from solid commitments that we once held so strongly, and on our own, we often overlook those things or we excuse them away. Because we're masters at the self-deception. But when you have close relationships with just a few other people, then those other people notice when we drift. Those other people notice when you drift away from the moorings that you once had. And because they love you, not because they're critical of you, because they love you, because they're close with a few and you're one of the few, because they love you and they want what's best for you, they can lovingly then challenge you to get back on track. Over the years... I have watched many people drift from God because they didn't have anyone, they didn't let anybody in close enough to give them permission to speak into their life and they wouldn't listen to a soul. James chapter 5 verse 19 says it like this. It says, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways shall save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You know what's interesting about that? We kind of react to that. We go, oh, it's talking about sinners. How does he start off? He says, my brethren, if any among you strays. He's not talking about people out there. He's talking about people in here. My brethren, that's who we are, brothers and sisters in Christ, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back. We need to be in close enough relationships where we give others permission to give input into our spiritual lives that when we start to drift, they can bring us back. Because the fact is, naturally, we all tend to drift. Nobody lives for Christ and becomes a follower of Christ better on their own than they do in the group. Because we're masters of ought to. You know, we judge other people by their actions and we judge us by our intentions. I intended on doing that. But we look at somebody else and they go, but they didn't do that. But that's what we do. We're masters at it. I, I really wanted to. I intended on it. We judge ourselves by our intentions and other by our actions. Well, friends, we need to be, have, be in close relationship with a few other people where we give others permission to give input into our lives. We need it or we will drift. It happens. Scripture says these relationships are like iron sharpening iron. That connectivity, that relationship that we have together, together we make each other better. We make each other spiritually sharper. Does that make sense? So we need a place to be challenged. One more thing. The last reason that we need close relationships, one more reason that we need to do the structure of connect groups is this. We all need a place to relax and have fun. We all need a place to relax and have fun. Anybody need a place to relax and have fun? We need a spiritual cheers. You know what that old show? A spiritual cheers. That makes sense? Where everybody knows your name. You know what I'm talking about if you're over 40 probably. <laughs> do, you guys know, do you guys know what cheers is, Richie? All right, so see, the, the, the illustration works. I want you to follow what I have to say here because you need to follow my train of thinking on this. Honestly, plug your thinking caps in and follow what I have to say right here. I'm all for interaction and relationships and fun with those outside the family of God. I'm all for it. 
It's one of our purposes. Influencing seekers to find Jesus. We invest in them and we invite them to places where they can come to meet Christ. We do really need to seek and to build relationships with those who don't yet know Christ, right? Right? But, here's the but part of it. But, understand, there is a limit in those relationships. There's a limit to them. You can really be friends with someone who isn't a Christian. You can. And you can really love and care for somebody who's a Christian, but you cannot really connect with them at the deepest levels of spirituality. You can't do it. You can't connect with them spiritually. There is always and always will be a gap. One of you is aligned with the kingdom of God and sees things through the lens of the kingdom of God, and one of you is aligned with the kingdom of darkness and sees things through the lens of the kingdom of darkness. Even though those who don't usually know Christ yet usually don't understand that they're looking through the lens of the kingdom of darkness, the scripture says they are. You can be friends, but you are citizens of different kingdoms. This really does affect the, the ability you have to have genuine relationships, friendships with those people. It limits it, and often for the Christian, it brings moral challenges and dilemmas within that relationship. Non-Christians, people who don't know Christ yet, tend to say this about activities and things they want to do. What's wrong with it? They always ask you that. Well, what's wrong with that, preacher? What's wrong with that, Mark? What's wrong with that, doing that? But as Christians, we've learned that we ask a different question. We say, what's right with it? We say, what's right with doing an activity? Is it positive? Is it God-honoring? Is it respectful? You know, there are limits to your ability to really understand each other and connect. And that affects your ability to relax and have fun. It really does. It affects your ability to relax and have fun because you're not part of the same kingdoms. But when you have close relationships with others who have the same spiritual foundation as you, you're close with a few within the family of God, then those limitations are removed. And you can be free to have real fun and real relaxation. It happens within the connectivity of the relationships of the kingdom of God. Because then there's no ethical dilemmas about what we should or should not do. There's a greater freedom to just hang out and to have fun, and to laugh with those who not only really know you, but also share the same beliefs and values. Scripture says this, it says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And friends, there is no greater place to experience that joy than with a few others from your church family. You're close to the few. It's when you laugh harder than you've ever laughed. It's when you smile more than you've ever smiled because you're a group of people who are living on the same wavelength spiritually and you're connecting together. And it's the greatest joy you'll ever experience this side of heaven. Matter of fact, it's a foreshadowing of what heaven's all about. And so God says, I want you to experience a little taste of it here on earth. And it comes through connected relationships where you can really be honest and really be authentic with a few other people. But it takes intentionality to invest into that, to allow that to happen. Look at these three things that we all need for authentic community, that the authentic community provides. A place for acceptance and encouragement, a place to be challenged, and a place to relax and have fun. When you look at that, do you say, that's what I want? That's what I say. 
I look at that from God's Word and I say, that's what I want. I want to experience the blessing of that because I know this. I need people to help me because I drift. I need a place where I can just take my hat off of the professional guy and just be Mark with a few other people. You know what? I need a place just to kick back and have fun. It's what we all need and it's what authentic community provides. It's what God has for us in the future. And in the presence of we're already in that. Well, I want to close here in the next couple of minutes by just giving you a brief explanation of how we're trying to structure this, to create a structure, as we've recognized kind of a weak left arm, how we create a structure so that this can happen intentionally within our church family. You see, I can't be friends with all of you. You can come and share with me, but remember, oftentimes we're strangers. You walk in my office and I've got to remember what's going on in your life. I can't be connected with everybody. You need a place to have somebody understand you. The best place is not in the pastor's office. The best place is in somebody's home who's your, who's your connected friends. That's the best place. The person to pray for you, the person to encourage you, the person to challenge you. When you come in by me and I've got to challenge you, you get mad at me. Because we, we haven't built a relationship. We don't have that connectivity. You haven't given me permission yet. And I go, oh no, if I say this, we're going to get ticked. But I have to say it. But the relationship's not there because we're just here at an event. Right? We need the connectivity. So I'm going to close by telling you the structure that we're creating, um, that we're going to be kicking off March 24th. Write the date down. Change your plans. If you're not planning on being here in the evening, 6.30, March 24th, Palm Sunday evening. Sunday night. So if you're planning on being gone, you've got a month, 20 days. Change your plans. Because the way we're doing this is a way... I, let me give you a little background before we get into details. The churches I've pastored in the past, primarily the first church that we planted and developed for 10 years, was completely a small group-based church. The healthiest church I've ever known. Matter of fact, other people, including Paul Hansen, a former pastor of this church, said it was the healthiest church in our district. I believe it when he preached there. Healthiest church. It was absolutely healthy. It was strong. I left as a lead pastor for 10 years, and the church went without a lead pastor for one year, and never, not only did they not lose a person, they continued to grow at almost the same rate they were growing before, before I left, before while I was there. Just was a church based on all these little connected relationships. And so I've seen the blessing of it. I've experienced it. I've watched it. And I've been chomping at the bit for four years to say, God, when's the right time where I can try taking this to the next step? And God's saying the time is now. And so in these connect groups, we're going to do something a little different. Here's the different part. These are going to be groups that we're going to start at these events we're calling group links. And the first group length is going to be March 24th. And that group length is a large gathering of everybody who desires to be in a small group. And at that group length night that we're going to meet here at church, we are going, we're going to go through a process that's going to allow us to, to break off into different groups. And those groups then will then be, they will develop as a group and say, this is when we want to meet, this is how often we want to meet, this is where we want to meet. And those groups will pretty much be self-directed. We will give the structure. Pastor Chris is the one working on the structure, and, and he'll be the one guiding that, and he'll give the structure, and you'll appoint the leader. And you'll use materials that are scriptural materials that are based off of a, a resource we have that allows you just to basically download them. So you're not a teacher in it. You're a facilitator. We have facilitators who are going to, lead, they're going to facilitate these groups where you're just going to get together... On a, on a fairly regular basis, two to four times a month, and your main emphasis is going to be developing authentic community. Connected, connect authentically with a few other people in, within your church family. Now, you're also going to have prayer, and you're also going to have time to interact with the Word of God, but it's not going to be a duplication of Sunday morning church. It's going to be a time primarily de- developed or based on developing communal relationships. 
What every group's going to do for the first eight weeks is you're going to go through a booklet. The booklet on community building. And you're going to go through this book on community, and it's going to take you through. Part of it's going to be telling your individual stories for a number of weeks. So many a week are going to tell your stories, your spiritual journey, so you can get to know each other. You go, oh, that's why he acts that way. I understand his mom dropped him on his head when he was a baby. You know, you're going to say, that makes sense now. You know, um, he finally told me the reason. Now you get it. My mom dropped me on my head. So you go, oh, now I get it. You know, she really didn't. But um, we're going to get to know each other. We're going to go through a couple things. We're going to do some, some um, at-home little, little Bible studies, kind of brief, and you're going to come together and discuss them. And at the end of eight weeks, you know what you're going to do? You're going to meet and you're going to say, do I want to stay in this group or not? And if you don't want to stay in, you're free to go. If you want to stay in, you're going to commit to the next year to a year and a half of doing life with, those, with that group of people. They're going to be closed groups, which is something I've never done before. But we, with the change in society, um, we're really recognizing the need for this because here's what we learn. Society, people are more and more and more distrusting of other people. They just don't trust anybody anymore. They've been let down by, by preachers and priests and, and presidents and anybody else you can think of and neighbors. And they just don't trust people anymore. They're let down by, by, by divorce and all this different stuff. And so we need to build relationships that when we commit to this, now we commit to doing this group together for a period of time where it's safe and we have rules and other people aren't allowed in unless the whole group agrees to let somebody new in. But the idea is then we have another group link and anybody who wants to get become part of that we felt in our groups and then in a while we have another group link anybody who's interested can get back in another group and so we'll keep having periodically through the year group link meetings to get people started but once those groups start and they commit to eight weeks to sign a covenant and say we're just going to do life together we're just, how often we're going to meet when we're going to meet where we're going to meet and we're just going to do life together for the next year year and a half and you're going to go through kind of a, a process in that time. A very open process, but you, you get to choose what it's going to be. But we give you a structure. Pick a study like this, pick a study like that, and we give you the information to pull from. So you can do that. And we're going to spend that time together then, really getting to know you. to know each other. I'm going to be part of a group. All of our pastors are going to be part of groups. And I, I really encourage you to get connected. To be here on the 24th. Change your plans. Be here on the 24th. Go to our group link night. It's going to start off in here. We're going to have fun together. We're going to end up in little groups. And then those groups are going to release you. We're going to give structure, release you to go and develop authentic community. I really believe this. I believe it will transform our church. I absolutely believe it will take us to the next level. It's where the strength and the heart of the church. It's why connecting authentically with those in the kingdom of God is a priority. Of all the things God could say the church ought to do, Connecting authentically is right at the top of the heap. It's why it's one of, the, one, one of the five things that God calls His church to do. So you know what? As I look at Portview Pete, I understand that that left arm's a little weak. Needs a little weight lifting. We're going we're gonna to put the barbells out there. It's a spiritual body pump. We're going to put the structure in place, but here's what I know. If I don't go to body pump... I don't get anything. You know what I can do now what I couldn't do? I can do the planking part. You know what planking is? On your toes, on your arms, kind of push-up position, and you're there and your stomach's burning and they go up. One arm up, two arms up, push it up, one arm down, two arms down, one arm up, two arms up. I can do it now. After only a month and a half, I can do the whole routine. I'm screaming. I'm wanting to cry. I'm spitting on the mat as I'm doing it. Sounds great, right? Think of that when you take those YMCA mats, you know. <laughs> um, I do now. But anyways, here's what I know. The YMCA can put the structure in place. 
but if I don't show up for it, I don't build myself up. We can put the structure in place to say that that arm needs to be built up a little bit, but if you don't attend, I'm not being this, this not in any kind of way manipulative, if you don't attend, it doesn't, it doesn't develop for you. But the people who do, it will develop. So, I believe God has designed us to be people in His church who have authentic relationships. And I want to receive the blessing, and I want you to receive the blessing of being part of authentic community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to just pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to do what you have designed your church to do. We've examined our hearts. And God, I really look at this church and we are people who care. We care about the things you care about. We love you and we love others. I really believe that. And God, based on that internal transformation, we want to be transformed on the outside. And God, we recognize that there's a need for development of authentic community. And we are looking for the blessing of being part of it.